Well, like I said this evening, I want to, um, you know, I, I said this a while back that um, I feel that there's a, a there's a shift changing, that there's an emphasis that's needing to be brought to the church on what the church is to look like. Um, we, there are different terms for the church. One is the body of Christ. Um, you'll notice throughout the Bible that God gives us humans natural things to look at or natural uh, things to explain things in the spirit. We see this uh, throughout the Bible. With Abraham, he called him a father of many nations. Abraham, obviously, uh, being 100 years old, his wife 90 years old, barren in her womb, this is impossible for him to comprehend. So what does he tell Abraham to do? Go outside of his tent, look at the stars, and he's giving him a natural picture so he can show him the spiritual picture that he's wanting him to understand. Um, we see this uh, with Jesus' ministry, that he's given parables and he's talking about the kingdom of God. We know that Jesus uh, preached about the kingdom, taught about the kingdom, spoke about the kingdom, declared the kingdom. It's all he talked about. And he was constantly showing people of that time what the kingdom was like. He said the kingdom of God is like a field. The kingdom, is, the kingdom of God is like a fisherman, fisher, fisherman's net. The kingdom of God uh, is like a pearl. The kingdom of God is like a treasure of great price. The kingdom of God is like a field. He's giving them, these people in this time, things that they can grab onto and say, oh, there we go. Well, in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, when you see uh, Paul specifically talk about the church, he identifies the church as a body. And why is he doing this? We all have bodies. And so what he's saying is, is you can look at a body, a physical body, the way it functions, uh, its characteristics, its likeness, uh, how it's pieced together, uh, the way that it operates with itself. All of these different functions of a body, we should be able to look at a body and say that's what the church looks like. Okay. Now, the problem is, is that today, in our day and age, we've gotten away from that. And we have placed a label of church on things that aren't really the church. Um, because today, I would venture to say that there aren't a lot of churches that are operating like a body. Amen. And if these churches, if our natural bodies operated the way some of these churches operated... We'd ha we would have some pretty dysfunctional-looking bodies, okay? Uh, there's dissension going on. There's griping going on. There's complaining going on. There's division going on um, in churches today. We have churches that are putting more emphasis on a method rather than the message. We've got churches that are trying to make themselves look good on the outside, but on the inside they're dying and, and corroded and falling apart, okay? And this is called religion. This is, what, this is the number one thing Jesus confronted in his ministry when he came to the planet was religion. He didn't confront the devil. He didn't confront the enemy. In fact, he said, I've already given you victory. I've already overcome the world. I've already overcome the enemy, the devil, the thief. He didn't worry about the devil. Jesus' number one uh, enemy in the earth was religious people. Religious people he called whitewashed tombs. What does that mean? That refers to people that on... 
the outside look clean, look great, look good, but on the inside, they're just tombs. They're empty. They're dead, and they're housing dead things. That's what a tomb does. A tomb is where you place dead people or dead stuff. And on the outside, they're whitewashed. They're clean. They look good. They got everything in order. Everything looks perfect. And Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is within you, meaning that for you to operate properly in the kingdom, you have to let it come from the inside out. He said, work out your salvation, your own salvation, not someone else's salvation. What he's making a focus on here is that we've got people that are too worried about what somebody else is doing. You're too worried about their salvation. You're too worried about how they talk. You're too worried about how they look. You're too worried about uh, how, what they said to that person or, or what their demeanor was when they came into church or how spiritual they look. But on the inside, you yourself are corroding and dying and falling apart. It's like taking, uh, it's like taking a, a, a cancer patient that's dying on the inside and just cleaning them up and just trying to make them look good on the outside. But... On the inside, they're falling apart. And so this is what's happening in a lot of churches, and this is what Jesus confronted his entire ministry. He wasn't confronting the devil. He wasn't confronting sickness. In fact, he manhandled all that stuff. He manhandled the devil. He manhandled demon, demons and took care of sickness. Uh, none of those things created opposition for Jesus. He bulldozed right through every single one of them. The number one obstacle in Jesus' ministry was religion. And so this is what we've got to confront because religion is what has snuck back into the church. And religion is a, a set of rules and a set of do's and don'ts and, and talk like this, look like this, wear this, go, the, go this place, hang out with these type of people. But on the inside, we're not applying anything that the Word tells us to apply. And so this is what we have to change in our society. Um, Jesus is coming back for a church, but not just any church. This building is not a church just because we put a sign on it that says Anchor Faith Church. I've said it before that this building could be used for multiple reasons. We just happen to pick it to be used for a church. But this building could be a retail space. Somebody could open up a secondhand store here. Or a sporting goods store here. Or a shoe store. Somebody could use this for office space. Uh, AT&T could move in here and set up a, a, a database center or whatever. I mean, it, this space could be used for anything. It's 2,000 square feet. That's multi-purpose. You can do whatever you want with it. And they can build up walls just like we're building up. What makes this a church is you. That's what make the, makes this a church. In fact, you can say today that Anchor Faith Church came to 2314 U.S. Highway 84, Suite B. We can say that because you're the church. So when Jesus is coming back, it says in Ephesians 5.27, and I, I turn there, I want to read it to you real quick. Ephesians 5.27 Paul says this, well, verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. By the word. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle 
or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. This is the kind of church that Jesus is coming back for. This is what Jesus is coming back for. He's not coming back for people that say, I go to church. He's coming back for people that say, I am the church. And I will represent the church. And I will be the church in this earth. I will be the body of Christ. And so we want to learn how to be that church. You know, I've, I've been real tempted uh, since doing this study on the body of Christ and the church. I've, been, I've got a billboard idea roll, rolling around in my head that uh, says, come visit the church and just capitalize the because there's a lot of churches out there. We know that. Churches are sprouting up every day, and there's churches that are, are you know, on every corner, especially in this town. I mean, like driving around this town, there's a lot of churches here. There's a lot of options. But I want to know how to be the church. I don't want to set up a church. I want to set up the church. Amen. And so um, we want to take some time, and I'm going to do this over the course of uh, the next several weeks, um, Pastor Earl is doing this down in St. Augustine. He's been doing a series. To this morning was his eighth uh, series or eighth lesson in the series on my church, talking about the church that Jesus is setting up. And um, I, I've been seeing this around, um, you know, other pastors and um, just myself. I mean, the last time I ministered to you, we talked about uh, the fruit of the Spirit versus the gifts of the Spirit. And we talked about our character and our conduct. What am I doing? I'm trying to prepare us as a church to be the church and not just go to your workplaces and go to Walmart and, 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 and go and hang out with friends and say, hey, I went to church yesterday. I want you to be able to answer the world's problems. I want you to, the people to come to you knowing that you are a church goer and find out way more than just a, find way more than just a church goer. I want someone... To be able to, I want you guys to be able to answer their problems. The world's got problems, amen? amen? They've got some problems. The world has some problems. And we should not be coping and dealing with the same problems and them turn to us and say, I don't know, that's just the world, but at least I know I'm going to heaven. It's way more than that. Amen. There's so much more. We should be able to give them more of an answer. Jesus gave way, and Jesus went to heaven. He could have come down here and said, look, I'm just preaching this thing and telling you about heaven. He didn't do that. Jesus didn't just walk around the earth and say, sorry, I can't help you with that sickness, and I can't help you with your dead son, and I can't help you with, the, with your demon-possessed son, and I can't help you with this and that. I can't help you in the midst of this storm. But hey, I'm going to heaven one day, and you should come with me. That wasn't Jesus' message. That was not Jesus' message. We have to grab a hold of his message. And it's way more than just telling someone about heaven and letting them know that, man, there's a life for you on this earth. There's a life for you here. Okay? This, this, we should have the answer. So I want to look at this. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 16. In the New Testament, this is the first time we see mention of the church. And Jesus brought it up. <clears throat> Jesus brought it up. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. 
It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It's funny that he asked them, who do they say? And then he goes ahead and lets them know, this is who I am. But who are they saying that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father... Who is in heaven. That's key. That's key. But my father who is in heaven. And also I say. I also say to you that you are Peter. He instantly changes his name. Because he went from Simon Barjona to Peter. And on this rock. I will build my church. Everyone say my church. And the gates of Hades or hell. Will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus here says that on this rock, he's going to build his church. Now, I want to look at this statement because there's a few things we're going to pull out of here that are instantly going to begin tweaking our thought process on this verse. First of all, he says, I will build. So who's building the church? Jesus. Jesus. Not man. He didn't delegate this thing out and say, you build it and let me see what you do with it. He said, I will build my church. He says that I will build my church. Now, I've started to come into myself a little bit of building mindset and, and, you know, these walls going up and different stuff like that. And um, when you build something, there are plans. And there is an architect. He's the one that designs this whole thing. So who's designing the building of the church? Jesus. Jesus is. So then I think that we need to find out what Jesus had in mind When he said, I will build my church. Now that word my is possessive. I will build my church. This word my simply means a part of or belonging to. That means that his church is a part of him. Belongs to him. Belonging to, a part of. That's what, that's what that word my means. So this right here tells us immediately that there are some churches out there that aren't his church. He's having to identify, look, I'm going to be building my church. So don't be deceived by those churches that aren't my church. I mean, if there's only his church, then you don't have to decipher between the two. You don't have to say, look, this is my church, this is not my church. I mean, if I have, if there's only one car in the parking lot, and I say, I have a car, that's probably it. But since there's several cars in the parking lot, I have to point out and say, that's my car. That's my silver car over in the corner, next to the other silver car that is not mine. (laughs) 
Okay? I have to, I have to decipher between the two. I've got to let you know what's what. So Jesus is letting us know right here, I, he, Jesus, will build. It means that he's the architect, he's the designer, he's the planner, he's the one putting all this together. My church, meaning it belongs to him. It's a part of him. So that means that there are churches that are a part of him, and there are churches that are apart from him, that are separate from him. Now, we have to understand this because, again, I said that God gives us these images. God gives us these natural explanations to help us understand uh, spiritual things. So when he's talking about a church, he's relaying it to a body. Well, we all see our bodies. We all know how our bodies work. What is the one part of our body that controls this whole thing? The head. Without my head, you ain't going anywhere. But without the body, the head's not getting anything done. So we need to immediately uh, figure out the two, the difference between the two. Because in the Bible, Jesus identifies, or the, the word identifies these two things. It identifies the head, and it identifies the body. Now the head is Jesus, Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. Uh, that's Ephesians chapter 2, I believe. Let me get you a reference because I didn't put that in there. But Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> he gave all things to the head. Ephesians chapter 1, 22. And he put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Right here, uh, 1 verse verse 22 and 23. These are two key verses. You need to note these down. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet. He's talking about Jesus. And gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Church, comma, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So right there we've identified who the head is and who the body is. Jesus is the head. You, the church, is his body. Now, if I remove my head away from my body, that is a decapitated body. We've got a problem. Okay? And... I'll be real bold when I say it. There's a lot of decapitated churches out there. They have removed the head, and they're calling their own shots. You know, Paul uh, said of Timothy that I can't send anyone else to you but Timothy because all else seek their own interest. They seek their own thing. Now, you think about your own physical body. What if a part of my body decides to seek its own interests? going to have a hard time. Because you're fighting the head. You're going against the head. I mean, my body would be a mess right now if my foot decided to go one place and my arm decided to go another. I mean, we know this is abnormal. This is not, this is not normal. This should not be happening. The body is functioning outside of the head. The head directs and the body follows. If I'm thirsty, 
mean, this is this is huge. I mean, if I take this bottle of water right here, and I'm thirsty. Now, what part of me is thirsty? My mouth? My body? I mean, what part of me is really thirsting after a water? You know? Okay? So, but when I drink this water, my arm with the hand attached to it is putting it to the head with the mouth and then the mouth takes it in and puts it down and then that water ends up supplying my entire body. This is how the church should be operating. In unison. In unison with each other and in unison with the head. See, when we were created, there were three things that we were to be influenced by. One, we were to be influenced by God. God and the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The second thing we are to be influenced by is His Word. The Word of God. And the third thing, the third thing we are to be influenced by is each other in the body. You look throughout the Bible and you see many times this this key this key thing about one another. Carry one another's burdens. Uh, rejoice with one another. Be sorrowful with one another. I mean, this, this whole one another is a constant theme throughout the entire Bible. Why? Because you're the body. You're the body. So let's look at some verses here that show how this body is supposed to work. Romans chapter 12. And I'll, I'll just let you know, I'm just kind of introing, giving a little introduction tonight. <clears throat> Uh, we're going to get real in-depth with this, and we're going to identify uh, the, the head. We're going to spend some time talking about the head of the church and how the head works. And we're going to constantly relate uh, our natural bodies to this body of Christ. Because Paul did it, and I'm going to do it. We're going to simplify it. We're going to break it down. And you're going to fully understand what the body of Christ is going to look like. I don't know about you, but I didn't just move to Valdosta, Georgia, just to start another church. Amen. And just to do something different and see if we can rouse up a few folks to, you know, come to this church and do something a little different. That's not why I'm here. I have been spending the last year of my life planning this thing out, <clears throat> walking this thing out, putting things in place, uh, traveling up every Sunday for the last, you know, 10 months. Um, just to go out on a whim and, and just try something new. I think that this town is hungry for a church. Is thirsty for a church that's going to look like the body of Christ in this city. You notice that when Paul and the, and the apostles and the disciples started churches, they planted them in cities to change the city. I, they didn't just start a church to get people in their doors and, and not do anything in the city. I want to impact this city. I want to change Valdosta. That's why I'm here. But, you know, down in, um, down in St. Augustine, our first three, maybe four years in, in St. Augustine, we didn't do a whole lot of outreach in the city. Why? Because we're training up the people that we have within our congregation. 
And we're getting people in and, and setting up a core group of people that understood the word, knew what the church is supposed to look like, knew their role of the church in the city that we were in, and then we went out. I don't want to. I don't want to go out untrained. I don't want to go out uh, not knowing fully what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to look like. So we're going to take this time. Like I said, we're going to be doing a lot of emphasis on preaching and teaching the word. We're not going to have a whole lot of, uh, you know, large moves and manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, they'll happen, but that's not my emphasis. Because we can have the, the greatest Holy Ghost time within these four walls and, and go back to work and still be like an, another son of the devil. I want, I want to teach you how to walk with God. I want to teach you how to, to be Spirit-filled and, and to be mature and, and follow after the Word and follow after your spirit and not after your flesh. To be able to treat your co-workers differently and to be able to uh, treat your family members differently and, and to be able to be great husbands and great wives and great parents, great children. Great co-workers, great bosses, great employees and employers. That's what I want. Because if all we're doing in here is just jumping and shouting and moving around and bumping chairs around and playing loud music and then going on Monday and we've got nothing to give to the world, then what do we just do? And I'm not here to waste your time and I'm not here to waste my time. A lot of people think, you know, we're going to have church. You can't have church. You be the church. Let's be the church, and we'll follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you right now, the Holy Spirit's not going to direct us to do those kind of things every service. The churches that do that and, and start out that way, they're going to have a hard time reeling their folks back in. And when they do have to, they start realizing, man, wait a minute, we're not getting anything done. We're just, we're just having a bunch of emotional freestyle moments with a bunch of loud music and people running around and dancing everywhere, but... We're really not getting it done. They have a hard time bringing their folks back in. Because now when they've got to sit them down and teach the word for 30 or 45 minutes, you think they're going to sit around for that? They've just conditioned them to look for the church that's uppity and has got the, the biggest uh, you know, move going on. Looking for the church with the move. The Holy Spirit moves in the preaching and teaching of the word just as much as he does in gifts of the spirit or manifestations and signs and wonders and miracles. Let me tell you what the greatest miracle is. Because we want to, you know, a lot of people just want to line people up and start laying hands on people when sickness goes and, uh, you know, cancer's dying on people and broken ankles are being healed and, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing all these different miracles happening. But we're losing sight of what the real miracle is. The real miracle is if I train you and equip you to get it on your own and to come into church one day and say, man, I had this piercing headache last night and I was just sitting in my room and I couldn't take any more. And I said, in the name of Jesus, this headache has to go. And it left. That is a move of the spirit. That's the greatest testimony. You want to talk about a testimony. That's the greatest testimony. But we've, we've uh, drawn up this flair for the dramatic. We've drawn up this flair for the dramatic in the church that it's got to be something crazy. And then the Holy Spirit knocked me on the ground. And, uh, you know, this one evangelist came up and he punched me in the face. And then I could hear out of my left ear again. And it, we, we, we do all these different things. And, we've, and these things happen. And I'm not saying that they're not real. Because there are ministers that have done some pretty crazy stuff being led by. I mean, you look at Jesus. He spit in a man's mouth. That's disgusting. But the dude talked. 
So spit all you want. <laughs> there was a blind man, and he split, spit on the ground, made clay, and rubbed it all over his eyes. The blind man is probably thinking, what in the world? This, this guy has told, told sickness to go, and now he's rubbing. Why? Because that was the manifestation of the Spirit for that instant. Jesus was led by the Spirit more than anything else. And we're thinking, wow, that's gross. He just rubbed mud all over his eyes. But the guy saw. He was blind from birth, and now he can see everything like me and you. So I'm not discrediting those things. But what I'm saying is, is that we need to become trained and equipped to follow the move of God in the preaching of the word just as much as a move of God in signs and manifestations. Will people receive healing in this church? Yes. Will people receive, and, and when we, will we recognize gifts of the Spirit in this church? Yes, they will happen because we are that kind of church. But I'm going to be placing more of an emphasis on growing us up and going after living in the Spirit more than just moving by the Spirit. Because if I can teach you to live in the Spirit, then you'll move the second he tells you to move. You'll go the second he tells you to go. You'll say what he tells you to say. You'll do what he tells you to do. Why? Because I have trained you up to be mature and to be led by your spirit, man, and not by your emotions. Not by what you see, not by what you feel, not by what you hear, but by the spirit of God living inside of you. Amen? Amen. Went off a little bit on that, but it was necessary. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members, everyone say many members, many members members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in who? Christ. Christ. And individually members of one another. There's that term, one another. That means, Jimmy, I rely on you. And that means, Jimmy, you rely on me. And vice versa with everybody in here. We are members of Christ and members of one another. Now, when you, when you look at me and say, none, nobody here said, hey, there's Pastor Mark's head, and he brought his body with him today. It's all one unit. It's all identified as Pastor Mark. Look, people, we should be in this world, and people should say, there goes the body of Christ. There goes Jesus Christ walking in the earth today. I heard one minister say this. He said, Jesus didn't go to heaven. His body still remains in the earth today. Yes, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He ascended. His disciples saw him go up. Angels said, the same way he went up, he's going to come back one day. But his body remains. And we are his body. You are his hands. You are his feet. Okay? But he's the head. The head directs. The head leads. I mean, if I need to go... If I need to go to the bathroom, my head will direct my legs to move my feet towards the bathroom. 
my hand to open the door. I mean, you see how simple this is. I'm not trying to overcomplicate. I'm not trying to complicate it at all. It's very simple. We are the body. If Jesus, look, this is a hard statement. People have a hard time because, you know, God's in control and whatever happens, happens. And and God's leading and, and he's moving. Jesus, if whatever Jesus wants done in the earth, he's doing it through man. He's doing it through me and through you. And we've got some unwilling members in the church that aren't willing to do as Jesus directs. I mean, if, if I need to go to the bathroom and my legs are just unwilling to walk there, that's a problem. Now I'm going to have to go in my seat. And that's not pleasant. That's not normal. We got the church doing some abnormal things because the that we got unwilling members that aren't willing to be directed and led by Jesus. Okay? He's the head. He's directing this whole thing. He's planning this whole thing out. And get this, as the director and as the architect, he determines where your greatest fit is. See, I didn't put these walls up back here. I helped but there was a designer. His name is Brian Anglin from St. Augustine, Florida. He helped us get these walls up. And he determined what two-by-fours should go where. He did all that. Now, structurally speaking, this building is a steel building. It's held up by steel beams throughout. They're all covered up by beautiful sheetrock, which is awesome. You know, we've had some buildings, um, you know, probably... I don't know if we have any in here as far as any of the steel buildings, but we, I've been in some build, uh, buildings down in St. Augustine that we've been in that the steel, I mean, they're all throughout the place, holding them up. And I'll tell you what, that board would not be able to replace what the steel beam is doing right now. Amen. It determines what is structurally sound for holding up the entire structure. And that two by four is not sitting there saying, man, I wish I could just hold up the entire, I wish I could be that corner beam down there. That thing would buckle, snap, and this building would crush, would crumble. It would crush it. Why? Because it's not built for that. God determines your weight. God determines your structure. And guess what? As you grow, you can take on more weight. But this podium... Now, this is, a very, this is a very solid podium. Go ahead and put it that way. I mean, this thing's probably a good 150, 200 pounds, easy. But this podium is meant to be a podium. And it's not looking at the door and saying, man, I wish I could make it be a, a door. It'd make a lousy door because it's in the way. If I had to open and close this to come inside, it ain't happening. I'm standing outside. Until I get about two or three stronger men, and then I'll give them a little push. Okay? But, but this podium is not sitting here, man. I'm, I'm so tired of being a podium. I mean, all I do is just hold books and iPads. I want, I want to be a door. I want to be a window. I mean, I, I got see-through glass. Why can't I be a window? we got members in the body that are causing division with each other because they want to do what someone else is doing. Or they want to be, no, just be 
just be where God has assigned you. God places you in your fit. I don't do it. I am here to draw out your gift, to help you use it to the fullest potential that you have. Potential is a funny thing because potential is hidden. And potential can be deceiving because in our eyes, we can think that we've gotten to a certain level. I heard one minister say that, you know, just throwing out numbers, if Billy Graham has reached 3 million people in his lifetime. And we think, wow, 3 million people, that's awesome. But what if God said you had potential for five? So potential is hidden. Potential is within us. I'm here to help you reach your fullest potential. I'm here to make sure you're placed in the assignment that God has for you. Let's look at that over in First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. Thank God we have some uh, people in this body that their assignment is with children. <laughs> and we will be able to uh, utilize you at your fullest potential as soon as we get these uh, doors up. Amen. Get these walls up. Get these classrooms built. It's going to be good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 12. And this is going to kind of look like what we see in Romans, what we just saw in Romans. For as the body is one, for as the body is one and has how many members? Many. And has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. You know, my physical body, I got many members. I have hands, I got feet, I have legs. I have members that are visible and invisible. And you know what? The members that cannot be seen, we're going to see this in a minute, the members that cannot be seen are just as important, if not more important, (laughs) Okay? I mean, I I could do without a hand. I could live without a hand. But I can't live without my heart. And you can't even see my heart. You can't even see all the work it's doing right now. Okay? My liver, my stomach, my lungs, my brain. It's pretty exciting. That's why I just love how God does this. and, And he's relating the church to the body. I mean, it's just, it's so easy to understand. People want to think, man, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a behind-the-scenes person. We know I'm really, I mean, I had to deal with the Children's ministry is probably the number one ministry where you're constantly having to encourage people and co- constantly having to, to get people to stay at a certain point because in, in church today in our society, children's ministry is viewed as the bottom. And this is so wrong. Amen. I mean, I, I was a children's pastor for the past three years. Before that, I was in children's ministry myself working with two- and three-year-olds. And, you know, I understand the feeling that nobody even knows what I'm doing. I mean, we're working so hard back here. These babies are screaming and crying, and, and they're just going crazy and off, off the chain. And, you know, I wasn't even really re- – I mean, I really wish I could just sat in the service today. But, man, you know, those worship people, man, they're so awesome. They're so great. You know what? I, as a senior pastor – would rather do without worship people than do without my children's people. I'll be honest with you. We'll sit them all down and teach the word, but to the importance of being able to get the word to our children and to help them understand the word of God, 
and, and get it relevant on their level and, and for them to hang out and have fun with each other. I mean, that's so important. I would sit all, I would take all my worship people, if I had no children's people, and put them in the back Amen. with the kids. Okay? So, in our bodies, those that are invisible are just as important, if not more important, than the ones that we see on the outside. And, you know, these are the ones we try to fix up and, and look good. That's why I go work out, you know. I'll be honest with you. I'm not trying to become, you know, some bodybuilder or nothing, but I just like being able to be active and, and strong and, uh, and, and be able to do those type of things. But how much care are we taking for our organs that are not as seen? And it's the same way with the church. We try to beautify and we, we try to uh, make everything look good on the outside, what everyone can see. Get bright lights and loud instruments and, you know, only put good-looking people on staff and garbage stuff that happens. And so we need to put just as much value. When you place value on something, that's when you draw its fullest potential. If I place value on your gift, Chris, that's where I'll draw the fullest potential. If I don't value your gift, then I'm not going to draw your full potential. That's just how it is. This is anything that we do. If you don't value time with your husband, if you don't value time with your wife, if you don't value time with your kids, if you don't value time uh, at your job, if you don't value time, um, you know, anything that we do, then you won't get the fullest reward out of it. Period. So let's place value on all of it, the outside and the inside. But let's go on. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Man, I tell you, they are just hitting on that. And understand that they're using the, he's using the word members, not individuals. Our American gospel, this society, hammers home, preaches hard. Be your own person. Do your own thing. Do what feels good to you. Live your life. And we're, we're in separation mode. Nobody knows how to unify with anybody anymore. No one knows how to band together. No one knows. I mean, probably one of the, the biggest things of all that a church like this gets called is the word cult. And I know that, that you know, you think cult and you think people, you know, lighting candles together and, and dressing up in robes. A cult is, is simply people that operate in the same culture. That's where we get the word. Meaning that you all have one mind operating in one accord, doing the same thing. We're all aiding and embedding each other. Our resources are always pushing and advancing the same goal. That's what a kingdom looks like. But we're in this democracy in, the Amer in America, the American society, if you have your right, you have your opinion, you have your say, you can do what you want to do, you can vote for that person if you want, or you can not vote for that, or vote for that idea. And all of our opinions and all of our ideas become a majority versus minority. You know, homosexuality in this nation is not the majority. It's not. But it's quickly taking over. 
because they have a louder voice. Oh, but if the church would rise up and get a voice and have something to say. We've got to get away from this mentality. In fact, people are scared of and fear anything or anybody that gets together in groups together. And that's why you get labeled. People label things that they're, that they're afraid of. So they look at a, a church like this that is all believing the same way. I mean, that's odds for some people. That this church is actually made up of people. One church made up of, of, of all different types of people that believe one way, speak one way, say the same thing, do the same thing. One mind, one accord. This is what the church looked like in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. You can read for yourself. They were in one mind and in one accord. All throughout the book of Acts. The early church. And so they got labeled. Jesus. Twelve disciples. And really more disciples than that. At one point, you know, he sent out 70 followers. He had all kinds of followers and disciples. And they're all speaking the same thing, doing the same thing, living the same way, refusing the same things. And so he gets called a cult. At one point they said, you are operating on the devil's behalf. And Jesus had to go ahead and let them know, no, you don't understand. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. I mean, if I'm seriously working against Satan, this thing would fall apart. But people fear and try to control and end up labeling what they don't understand. And so that's why we get a label. But no, this church is going to change the mold because there may be another church down the road that's preaching, look, this is what I say, and if you believe it, that's okay. If you don't believe it, that's all right. We'll still accept you. You can still come in. We'll agree to disagree. Well, then how are we having church? Because now I got a foot that's believing one way, a hand believing another way, and the head that's trying to get them both to believe the same way. Dysfunction. This is the body of Christ that is in America today. This is the society you live in. And we're slamming the door on this. And I'm not saying they're all doing There's There's other churches in this town. I mean, I haven't gotten to, you know, really get around a whole lot just being here. But um, I know that there are word-believing churches in here that are preaching the word of God. I know that. But I, I said it on um, Wednesday that what you don't confront, you'll eventually compromise. And if I don't confront the mindset the mindset of individuality, then I'm going to end up compromising that in my own church and in this church. And we're going to end up running around with a bunch of individuals that want to do their own thing, be their own thing, have their opinions, have their ideas. And what head do I have? What leadership do I have? And I'm not going to compromise that. So I'd rather go ahead, confront it, Let's change our mentality on that thing. Let's get believing what the Word says, and let's move forward with this thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's get on with this. <clears throat> let's get on. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're still there. 
If the foot should say, what verse are we in? If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? You see what's happening here. Why is Paul saying this? Because even as early as when Paul was alive, these things were taking place. I mean, if you look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's having to deal with the church that he started, went off, because he was a missionary, an apostle. An apostle starts new works. That's what an apostle does. So he comes back to the Corinthian church, and he finds them doing some of the goofiest things. He sees dissension. He sees backbiting. He sees gossip. He's having to deal with this stuff. Why? Because you got an eye wanting to be an ear. And you got a foot saying to the hand, you're not of the body because you're not of a foot. Because you're not a foot. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? We see what's happening. We each have a different role. Your role is just as vital. Is just as vital. Probably one of the greatest things that uh, Pastor Earl did for our leadership staff several years ago is we got rid of the uh, the leadership model of climbing the ladder, and we put it on a spider web. We said leadership starts in the center and spans out. But what's the deal with the spider web? We're all on the same playing field. The shepherd is on the same field as his flock. We've got to get this mentality up that you're higher than I am and I want to try to get as high. That's corporate stuff. That's business world mentality stuff. And that's not the, that's not the church model. The church model is everyone working together on the same playing field. You have your role. I have my role. I mean, if we understand anything about sports, they're all on the same field. And you have a different role to play. And your role is vital. I mean, football is the best example for this because you got a quarterback and a wide receiver. The quarterback cannot throw the ball, run out, catch it, and score the touchdown. And the quarterback is going to get nailed if you don't have an offensive line. A group of five or six men standing in front of you ready to block you and hold the line so you can get a throw off. That's the team working together. That's the body working together. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, as who please? He pleases. As he pleases. He's the director. He's the planner. He chooses your fit. He chooses where you work. He's put a gift inside of you, and that gift will come out as you make yourself available to it. You value your gift, and we'll value the gift. I've told our uh, leadership staff um, many times that if you don't value your gift, no one else will. And no one will value your gift more than you value it. Because when you value your gift, you show up at the staff meetings, you show up on time, you show up when you're scheduled to work, you work as unto the Lord, you work your hardest, and you put your best foot forward. That's valuing your gift. And I'm not going to value your gift beyond what you value it. Because if you only value it to show up on time, but then come to work and not really do the job to its fullest, then I'm going to value that far. 
Very simple. But our children's workers that show up on time and come and desire to work with the kids and they're there, uh, you know, working as hard as they can and just there's nothing else on their mind but the kids. There's nothing. Uh, there's no cell phone taking their attention off. There's no friend taking their attention off. There's uh, nothing in the back of their mind taking their attention off. I mean, they're all, they're full attention is on the children. I look at that person and say, man, that's someone that has a great gift with children. We may need to go to the next level with them. We may need to work them from an assistant to an actual teacher level. We may need to take them from a teacher level to a lead teacher. I mean, with, with, with your gift comes responsibility, and as you meet that responsibility, I mean, your gift is always taking you. Your gift will make room for you. Amen. The Word says that. If you're faithful with small, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. What will you do with a million dollars? The same thing you do with a hundred dollars. If we take that hundred dollars and we instantly spend it, then I already know what you're going to do with a million. But if you take that hundred and you find a way to make it into two hundred, then I know if I gave him a million, he's going to make two million. This is proving ourselves. This is how the body works. <clears throat> Where are we at here? Let's go to twenty. Verse 20, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Again, just hitting it, many members, not individuals, not each person doing their own thing, many members. Members denotes being a part of something. And again, remember we said that Jesus is going to build his church, my church, meaning it belongs to him. It's a part of him. You are members of his church, his body. Many members, yet one body. Verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head to the feet, I have no need of you. We, we don't have people within the body running around saying, "I look, and that comes from me. I can't look at any of you, even the head. He just used the head. I can't look at anybody. Look, I'm not here to do this thing by myself. I'll tell you right now. I'm not here to lead worship. There's a gift in here. I'm not here to work with the kids. There's a gift in here. You know, when you start out, you tend to, you tend to do a lot. But man, I am looking for people with gifts that I can instantly begin delegating. Jesus uh, brought in one of the most important uh, thought processes in leadership, and that is delegation. Because without delegation, when Jesus leaves, the thing falls apart. That's why he had disciples. That's why he had followers. That's why he had people that were hooked up with him, ready to do and training to be what he did. And did they do what he did? Sure did. All throughout the New Testament. I cannot look at your feet and say I don't, or look to the feet and say I don't need them. Now you are Christ. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Again, individually meaning you as your person, but you're a member. You're a part of someone else. If we could just understand that concept right there, that your role affects his role, and your role affects her role, and her role affects his role. If we could just understand that. I'm telling you, this is going to be one of the most unified churches in this city. This is going to be a church that will be his church. 
that will represent Christ. We don't need any more people that say, I go to church, but live like hell through the week. We need people that are going to go to church, get trained and equipped at church to be the church. And I know I've said it a lot, and you're going to hear me say it a lot more because it's that important. That's why we're doing mind renewal on Wednesdays. That's why we've been preaching uh, kingdom mind renewal because it starts with our head. I can't get this church anywhere that I can't get your mind first, period. I can't move this church forward if I can't move your mind forward. That's why we're always saying we're not a small church, we're a beginning church. If I can get you past small church mentality, if I can get you past, uh, you know, just being small, little mom and pop, there's some things, uh, you know, we got vision partnership coming up this weekend, and there's some things that we're going to begin to implement. Probably one of the, the greatest things that I saw Pastor Earl do when we were starting St. Augustine is the church never felt small. We were doing stuff that big churches were doing. And what I mean by that is that we were giving a presentation of being somewhere else, not just stuck where we're at today. There's a presentation that we'll have here and among our people, those, that, those of you that partner and hook up with this vision, that when other people walk through these doors, they're going to instantly know, man, this church is going beyond this place. Amen. This church is probably looking to get that next unit. And this, this church might even be looking to get this whole building here and this church might be looking to maybe grab another building on this property because they're doing big stuff and i'm not going to do big stuff just to do big stuff but i mean that we're going to give off a presentation of this isn't just mom and pop and you know set up and, and tear down and uh go about our business i mean we're going to put off and we're going to make this place look excellent look church uh, god was always about making his place look good when you look at the tabernacle in, in Exodus, that thing's made with gold, made with silver. I mean, it, it's made with tremendous, t- tremendously valuable stuff. You look in uh, with Solomon when he built the temple and the stuff that was used in there. I mean, he had kings and queens coming from all over the world to come see what he had built. I mean, this was, this was the place. So we're going to make it look good. But my emphasis won't be there. My emphasis will be your house right here. Right here. And we're going to learn uh, what our role and who we are individually in the body is so we can be the body as a whole. You're a member of something greater than yourself. But you're a member. Your role is important. I said the other day that, uh, you know, even the smallest things... When they, when they get jacked up or something goes wrong, the whole body's feeling it. I mean, if you're in the middle of the night and you snap your pinky toe on your dresser, I mean, your whole body is hitting the ground, pain, excruciating pain. I mean, you're feeling it, okay? And we're all, we'll all feel the pain, but we'll always rejoice, too. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. And we're going to be that tight, uh, unified body. And not just people that get along with each other and go to each other's parties and, you know, have a good time with each other and hang out with each other outside of church. I'm talking about people that believe the same way, uh, are unified in the same goals, and and ready to advance the kingdom in this city. Amen? Amen. Are we ready to do that? All right. Well, Father, I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you.